take a seat. Um, I hope that uh, uh, this morning, that's a great song. I've never heard that one, uh, never heard that one before. So very, uh, very powerful. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't it just be a nice piece of news that, that uh, we have this great organization in town that just gave, uh, gave money in honor of Charlie. I asked them if they could value me, and they gave me um, $88. Um, <laughs> I asked them if they could round it up to 100 and they said no. Um, so now we know, you know, uh, if you have that question. But uh, we're, we're, we're in a series on, on the book of Hebrews, and the, the book of Hebrews is just a powerful a powerful book that that talks about a people who are struggling with this idea of being in, in exile. And, and if you look at the pages of Scripture, you see that, that God's people sort of find themselves either in exodus or exile. Either they're coming out of slavery uh, of something a, a, or they're going into slavery of something. It's a very uninventive story, shall we say. And part of the, the difference, the gap between Exodus and exile, is this place called the desert, which isn't that pleasant either. A- and it kind of shares the story of what God's people encounter and what they deal with. When this book is written, it's written to people who have become enslaved, quite literally by the Romans, in their hometown. But they're also battling a different kind of enslavement, an enslavement to sin, an enslavement to the past, an enslavement to who they really are. And I think that we can really relate to what they're struggling with. Have you ever wondered, why is it so hard for for us to admit when we're wrong? Why do we live in a world where we have to be right all the time? I mean, have you ever thought about this? Like, what is so bad about admitting that we're wrong? Do we feel like the world's going to explode or that something bad's going to happen? Sometimes we, we watch people who have a bad position and they've been disproven and, and they just refuse to say, hey, I was wrong and I shouldn't have done that or I need to make some different choices moving forward. Why is it so hard for us to admit that we are wrong? Why do we spend so much of our lives trying to avoid weakness? Why do we try so hard to say, I can never be weak, I can never be viewed that way? Would it be so bad if people saw our faults? Why do we hate vulnerability? That's a word that people wouldn't say, you know, what are you looking forward to this next week? I'm looking forward to moments of vulnerability. It's just not something that we do, right? We, we try to keep it at arm's length no matter what. Over the course of the last about 18 months, um, our staff has gone through a study together, kind of a workbook, and it's based on Brene Brown's book uh, called Dare to Lead. And this is about the, the idea that we've got to come, we've, we've got to be in touch with who we are in order to be great leaders. In order to do something powerful in, in our ministries and in our lives, we have to start, uh, the, the term that she uses is we have to start rumbling with vulnerability. And one of the conclusions that, uh, that we came to, maybe as a staff or maybe that I try to lead us to, I'm not sure how, wha- how good a job I did, is that you will only be as good a leader depending on how vulnerable you're willing to become. Those two things seem to go hand in hand. Now, I'm not saying that means that you need to lay yourself out on the psychological couch around everybody all the time, but what it's saying is, unless we are truly in touch with who we are and what our good and bad and ugly qualities are, we will never be exceptional leaders. You've got to, got to consider the cost of those things and the personal cost 
of those things as well. One of the statements, I'm only going to share three of them with you today as we go. Who we are is how we lead. Knowing who we are is going to determine how we lead. And you can see some of the adages maybe at the top. They're quite small. Self-awareness and self-love matter. So if you want to be a good leader in your home, in your workplace, wherever it might be, you have to know who you are. Now, in the spirit of that, I want to be a little vulnerable with you today. Because I think it's important for us to know where we are and what we struggle with. Sometimes we need to have a little bit of courage and we need to share that with other people. I've been a pastor over 20 years. But my two words that I would describe for me are that sometimes I feel lonely and alone. Now, it's not lonely like in a depressed sense or that people that struggle maybe with anxiety and depression. But there are times in my life that I feel really lonely and alone. Haley knows this. We talk about this all the time. And it's not anything that needs to be solved. I think sometimes when when we hear that, people are like, well, how do we fix that for you? There probably will never be a fix for that. Because I'm also in a profession that's very lonely. I've spent a lot of my life alone. For those of you that know my testimony, I went to boarding school when I was was 12 years old. I was alone. When I moved to the United States, my sister lived thousands of miles away from me, even in the United States. I've spent a lot of my life alone, and I'm comfortable there, sometimes too comfortable there. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I just feel lonely. Occasionally, and it's just such a God thing, occasionally there'll just be moments where people will say things that just mean a lot. Uh, Meredith Gilbert sent me an email on Friday morning, right? And it just said, hey, I hope you're having a great Friday. That was it. I love that. She sends those to me. Usually she's going to ask me something probably this week, so I'm just trying to, (coughs) can you please do this for me? (laughs) No. Um, But the reality is sometimes this is just how I feel. It's not your fault. It's not even my fault. It's just the way it is. But if you think about it for you, what are your vulnerable words, the ones that you hold tightly close to your heart? Is it, is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it the desire to control because once in your life you were out of control? Are you not confident? Do you maybe feel alone? What are the words that you have that are on your heart, but you're scared to share them? What is your truth? Because you need to know your truth and maybe occasionally share your truth. I'm not saying that every time somebody says, how are you doing, that you're just laying yourself, oh, it's just been the worst week ever. Don't do that. But maybe with your spouse, maybe in moments saying, hey, I'm having a vulnerable moment. We kind of say this even with our staff now after we've gone through the study. Okay, vulnerability alert. I'm feeling a little insecure about this, and I want to get some feedback, so tread lightly in my life, but we're trying to learn to share truth. Another saying that Brene Brown has is this one that says, when we have the courage to walk into our story and own it, we get to write the ending. And when we don't do that, (laughs) we're setting ourselves up for hurt and failure and setback. Knowing our stories, knowing who we are and where we are is powerful. But maybe the bigger question that we're going to bring into the study of 
of Hebrews because I think that, that a lot of the people that are reading this book are struggling with the same thing. The question is this, what does truth do to our lives? I mean, we spend a lot of our time trying to get away from it. I know this because I have young children, and they have a very loose association with the truth, right? Let's be honest. But I've met adults that have the same. You thought they would have grown out of it by now. They still can't tell the truth. This is why you've heard me say multiple times, secrets become lies, and lies destroy lives. Now, I'm not talking about if you work at Pantex or Bell and you've got some government secret. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about if you have a secret in your life that you refuse to share with somebody, it will grow into a lie. If you have a secret, eventually you'll have to lie about that secret. And when lies infiltrate your life, it will destroy them. This is why people think, oh, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to share this. And their lives will face, face destruction. But truth gives life, and life destroys secrets or lies. When we live into our truth, when we tell the truth about ourselves, and we live with a disposition of being honest and honorable in the things that we do, it will destroy all those dark places in our lives. Now, if you're a Christian, we believe fully that the truth is the Word of God. Now, let me be clear, that doesn't mean the truth is the Bible. It means the truth is the Word who is Jesus. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yes, the Bible is a powerful and authoritative book for our lives, but when we talk about ultimate truth, we're talking about Jesus. We're not talking about a book. And the Bible proclaims the truth is alive and that lies are dead. And the reason for that is because Jesus is alive, and Jesus conquers the enemy. This is why the writer of Hebrews says these words in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's talking about, yes, it is talking and making some reference to this book. The more time you spend in this book, the more that it's going to read you and convict your life. But it's going to lead you not to a set of principles. It's going to lead you to a person, and that person gives life. Do you know the reason why we hate vulnerability? We hate vulnerability because it reveals who we are. And we feel sometimes that that vulnerability makes us look bad in front of other people. So we keep the facade up. We act this way. Yet the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, if you live your life with any amount of truth, in it. It's going to separate these things. It's going to reveal the heart. And ultimately, if you live in truth before God, you are going to be revealed. And that's scary. But it's powerful. When, we look, when, when you consider the, the community here, I know that there's been some intense struggles this last year. Maybe the last two years. Some marriages almost didn't make it. Some people lost themselves in addiction. Some people made bad financial decisions that are trying to dig themselves out of it. 
Some people have done damage to relationships that were once they thought were really good but really aren't. There's a lot of things in this room that we carry, and I don't know why we feel like we need to hide that. And maybe it's because of the next thing, because when we are truly vulnerable, vulnerability leads us to confession. It leads us to call it out and say, I'm struggling with this. I'm having a hard time. And as churches, we do a bad job about that. The book of James says, confess your sins to each other. Confess your weakness to each other and pray for each other. And in the midst of that, when you do these things, you're going to find healing. And the reason why maybe your life is not healed is because you refuse to recognize what's going on and you refuse to tell anyone. And as a result of that, that is a part of your life that God cannot occupy. He's got a secret. Being vulnerable will not kill you. It will free you. So I ask again, what is your your truth? Do you know your truth? Are you willing to share your truth? Do you have enough relationship with your, your spouse or maybe a close group of friends that you can say, hey, I need to share some difficulties in my life, not because I want you to fix them, not because I want you to, to do so, just because they need to be spoken. Because they have power over me in my life right now, and I need to purge them, I need to get them out, and I need to, I need to share them with another person so that, that person can keep me accountable and remind me that God is alive and that truth dominates my life. But let me give you a word of hope in the midst of that. Your word does not define you. Whatever your word is doesn't mean that that's your word forever. It doesn't mean that God cannot do his redemptive work through that. When we are truthful about ourselves, God does his best. When we admit weakness, God says, ah, finally. Finally, I have some space to redeem. You know, and the reason why this hopefully is a hopeful message for us, and maybe we hear it through that lens, is that Jesus faced everything. I know we don't always think this or be reminded of this. We think that he sort of walked two feet above the ground and didn't ever face anything. But this is, this is what the writer of Hebrews says to people that are struggling with this very thing. In, chapter four, in verse 14 of chapter 4, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every single way, just as we are, yet remained without sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That is a powerful word for us to hear today. We need to know that we are not singing to the truth or to the word or to the Son of God as one who does not understand who we are. We're singing to one. We're giving praise to one. We're praying to one who has dealt with every single thing you've dealt with. Whatever your vulnerable word is, Jesus had it. Do you think he ever felt alone? Do you think he ever felt insecure or fearful or abandoned or whatever word you have in your life? Jesus had it too. And the writer is saying, Jesus is not this out-of-touch person that doesn't understand where we are. He completely gets it. 
Another quote that Brene Brown says is this, you can't get to courage without rumbling with vulnerability. Even though that bottom line may not be so churchy, you probably didn't see it until I pointed out. You were like, in the moment, oh, <laughs> can we say that in church? Yeah, we can. Because that might be the best word to describe where you are. And if that's the word that you've got to come to Jesus and say, hey, you know what? Right now my life is just, I just have to embrace the suck right now. I want you to hear a word of hope in the midst of that. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It doesn't matter what you bring to the table today. What matters is that you bring yourself to the table. All of it. The good, the bad, the stuff you try to keep in the corners. I know it sounds a little cliche, but give it to Jesus. Have that moment of courage to say, I need to give this up. Maybe talking to your spouse this week and saying, hey, I, I want us to do this little exercise today, this week. Let me know after you've got your word in mind, and we'll, we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation about that and not try to fix each other, but just try to engage each other and listen to each other and create encouragement for each other. Our staff does this so well. I love, it's one of my favorite things about the staff. We've, we, we've got to a point that we can just really tell, I'm just, this is just eating my lunch, this is doing that. And then we all come together and we encourage each other, mostly sarcastically, I will be honest. That's kind of our love language around here. We, we, we sort of insult each other, but we love each other deeply. And we've gone through some difficult things in, in the last 18 months. Every one of us has struggled with something big. But we've tried to remind each other that it's going to be okay. That this is not the end. This is not the end of the story because God's not done with us yet. Maybe there's a word today that you need to hear in the midst of that. God's not done with you. There's nothing you can bring to him that he hasn't seen before or engaged before or even felt before. But God does not want you to be a slave. want you to be free. So just hear him say these words to you today. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It is going to be okay. Father, today, I just pray that we would feel some deep-seated conviction in our lives and our hearts today. God, just know that you are, <laughs> that you're not just in the good moments, but that you're in the tough ones as well. And Father, I pray that today, just as we, as we have a moment to uh, just reflect on maybe where we are or what we're struggling with, that we would have the courage to know that you are right next to us, no matter what we're going through and that we have power to share our weakness and our struggle and our vulnerability with each other. And Father, we know that it's because of the cross of Jesus that we're able to do that with you. That you will weep with us, that you will grieve with us, that you will 
just be in that moment with us, that you will not shake your head at how dare we struggle with something. But Father, I just pray for a moment of clarity and a moment of truth in our lives. God, if there's, if there's anyone in this room today that maybe needs more than just a personal moment of reflection between you and them, would you share it to them? If they need someone to just pray over them or somebody to just share their word, God, would you encourage them, give them courage to just turn to the person next to them and say, hey, this is my word, this is my struggle. Would you just pray with me? Or would you just help me? Would you, would you just hear me say this word out loud that I'm so desperately afraid to say? But God, we know that you will walk with us and you will guide us and you will help us. Thank you for meeting us where we are and not expecting us to be perfect before we come to you. Please bless us as we continue to worship. Remind us through the words of the song that everything's going to be okay. We pray this all through Jesus and the church together says.